0: Welcome to Let's Talk Death, conversations to inform and inspire. Let's Talk Death is being brought to you by Heal Grief, a nonprofit providing the tools and resources to support one's journey with grief. We seek to empower individuals to achieve a healthy post-bereavement growth. Everything we do is inspired by our core belief that no one should ever grieve alone. Let's Talk Death is a series of conversations with some amazing people from various fields. Our goal through these conversations is to normalize, educate, and demystify the taboo around death, dying, and the journey of grief. Hello. Welcome to this episode of Let's Talk Death. I'm Fran Solomon. And I'm Andy McNeil. And we're thrilled to be your hosts for these conversations. Our
1: guest today is Matthew Kennedy. Matthew is a self-taught ceramic artist whose professional career has spanned more than 25 years. Matthew set himself apart from others as one of the first who began using a tattoo machine as a carving tool on ceramics. Today, his artwork is featured in many offline and online galleries. Matthew says he has a mission to serve people with his creative ability. He helps memorialize loved ones by giving them a special, unique resting place with one of his one-of-a-kind urns. Matthew, we are delighted to have you as a guest on our show.
2: Well, thank you. I'm delighted to be here. I appreciate it so much. I really do.
0: Matthew, before we speak about your work, I'd like to go back in time and ask you to share a bit about your experience grieving your mother's death.
2: Okay. Okay. Yeah, that was fairly recent. That was actually uh, May twenty first of, of this year. She had uh, she's passed away. Yeah, it was uh, quite the journey, I'll tell you. It was quite the journey. You want the story? Or...
0: <laughs> yeah, please. Our our audience um, really gets connected with our guests.
2: Okay, okay. Um, well, let's see. Uh, I can tell you. My mother my, my mother and my family, I grew up in a wonderful family, and my mother was wonderful when I was a young child. Uh, she got diagnosed with lymphoma cancer about uh, 27 years ago, and she had about a 50% chance of living or dying, and we went to Scripps Institute in La Jolla, and uh, she uh, got a bone marrow transplant. During the procedure, they obviously, you know, it was a very heavy procedure and uh, they put her on a lot of opioids uh opium and all kinds of stuff you know because it was a it was a very serious surgery i actually stayed there with her the whole time and uh, it was pretty horrific uh, i she actually aged about 10 years overnight she got wrinkles overnight that's how wow. that's how severe that the chemotherapy was wow. so you know she was in there for about two three weeks and um, she got hooked on opioids and um that battle lasted for 25 years. I, I got sober, uh, 27 years ago. Uh, so it's very interesting. I, I was using, you know, when I was a teenager from 13 to 24 years old, I'm 51 now. And then when, when I, when I got sober, you know, when I was 24, uh, she had got you know hooked on these opioids (laughs) and, uh, so she was hooked on them ever since. So it's interesting because my mother and and myself's relationship, you know, we've, we've never been really sober together, which is interesting. So um, I don't know. She, she got hooked on opioids. And then uh, about 12, 13 years ago, I stayed with her for about nine months. It was the worst nine months of my life. Uh, She, uh, she got hooked on fentanyl. So she is one of the fentanyl victims. uh, And, and I should say the victims of pain management, which, In my opinion, I mean, they do a lot of good for a lot of people, but in her case, they were just legalized drug dealers. And they gave her these fentanyl suckers. And the suckers uh, were, you know, what they give cancer patients when they pass away. And so she put these fentanyl suckers in her mouth and she would pass out, literally breathing only one to two times a minute. So I I literally saw her only breathing one or two times a minute. And she gave herself uh, dementia by by taking these suckers these fentanyl suckers so and she also the the bathroom was kind of her drug bin so she she lived in the bathroom and uh she she passed out you know literally uh and and burned her legs with her cigarettes got both of her legs cut off uh she had to have a colostomy bag she gave herself dementia uh it was a nightmare it was a complete complete nightmare For you know, the whole 25 years, 27 years that she was, you know, hooked on drugs. But, yeah, it it was a total, complete nightmare.
1: Well, you you know, there's, first of all, thank you for sharing uh, your story. I I know our listeners identify with our guests because, really, our listeners, that's what they're dealing with. They're dealing with the death of someone. Um, But even more so than that, quite often our listeners are, there's a story that leads up to it's not just a person's death. There's, there's a life that the person lived, right? And there's, there's great things about the life, but there can also be these, these challenging things about their life. And it's, you know, there's, there's more ways we lose someone other than death is the kind of the idea, you know, right? Exactly. And, and it's Amazing. sort of like the person I knew is, was no longer that person. And then oh. I had this that I contended with. And this is, there's a whole story here and how often we focus so much on when and how the person died when there's this there's all these other things that were part of what that meant to me a good bad all of it that is part right. of it
2: that's right I it. that's right and, it, yeah. and in this case you know because i had gone through so much and i feel that you know i mean i worried about her every day for 25 over 25 years i worried about yeah. her every single day so with her death, it was actually a big, huge relief for me uh, yeah. because I don't, I don't have to, selfishly, I guess I don't have to worry about her anymore. You know, I know yeah. she's in a better place and I'm, I'm free. I'm finally free, you know, and, and I, that's how I felt about yeah. the situation. So
0: I really appreciate you saying that because often in our support groups, we have so many members that feel guilty because they feel unburdened. They're still grieving but they feel unburdened and, and guilty because of it. <laughs> I um, don't I don't feel guilty <laughs> because I went through so much heck
2: with her. You know, I mean, I just went through so much with her that I, you know, yeah. and we still talked here and there. I mean, it wasn't like I cut the ties completely. I almost did. I mean, you know, I had, to, I had to create distance for myself because it was such a toxic relationship, but, uh, but I would talk to her here and there and, and she knew I loved her and I knew she loved me. Um, so that wasn't an issue. Thank God. But, uh, you know, I was just glad it was, I'm just glad uh, today, yeah. that it's just over. You know? Yeah, I'm I'm glad that it's over and that I can move on at, at 51 years old. You know, I, I feel that, that she has taken well, she gave me so much. I mean, I, I love my mother dearly, but, but I feel that she's taken so much from me over the last 25 years because yeah. of me having to worry about her every day that I feel, I feel free and I feel good. So,
1: yeah. Yeah, I, 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 this is. I will say this: this conversation will be helpful to a number of people watching the conversation. I was going to say I do a lot of training of of counselors and therapists in the area of grief, and one of the slides I pop up as I say, well, let me tell you one other uh, type of of reaction people have in grief, and that is relief, and the look on people's face, and they go relief. Like, what do you mean people have relief? <laughs> I'm like, well, let me tell you, people can have relief, and here's why, and here's the, the situations that can lead up to that. Because what we try to what we try to encourage people here at Heal Grief just about grief is let's not lay any assumptions on anyone about what you think their experience was or is with their person and what that looks like for them to the point where allow them to tell you what it was like and then you'll learn so much more uh, in the process rather than walking in with a with assumptions. So thank well, you for for, for sharing that.
0: Let's talk death is being brought to you by Heal Grief, a 501c3. As a nonprofit, we are reliant on the kind generosity of our donors. If you are inspired by our mission, we ask you to go to HealGrief.org/backslash/donations to help us continue our great work. No gift is too small.
1: But well, I'm I'm curious now just to learn a little bit more about this this practice, um, uh, with ceramics and what you have been able to, to create and to do, it sounds incredible. Um, and just want to learn a little bit more about number one, how you even discovered this and what that looks like and how you are utilizing that to create these, uh, unique, one of a kind urns.
2: Okay. Well, you know, I guess it it started off when I got sober, you know, everything started off when I got sober, right? (laughs) 20, 20, 27 years ago uh, I got sober and I was at the time I was I was uh playing pool for a living in a pool hall which was fun you know it was fun and, and I I had done that for about two or three years and it was the town pool shark and then uh you know after I got sober about a year my sponsor told me hey you better pick a, a different uh, hobby you, you know you're, you're hanging out in bars too much so I said okay so he he went through this advertisement he said well, go go to michael's and get this toy toy potter's wheel I said okay so I went to michaels got a toy battery powered, you know, little plastic potter's wheel and uh, played with it. And then I asked for my mom for, you know, for Christmas for a potter's wheel. And she gave me, uh, my mom and dad gave me this beautiful potter's wheel, $1,500 potter's wheel. And uh, I've just been on it ever since. I just absolutely love it. And it's been a, it's been a wonderful journey of of just, uh, you know, self-reflection really. And and just, uh, and learning and a lot of learning.
0: (laughs) What inspired you to create
2: Urns? Well, I, I had put a piece in a coffee shop, uh, about, I don't know, five or eight years after I started pottery, I was proficient enough to, to build a vessel with a lid. So I put that vessel with a lid. It wasn't an urn. It was just a vessel with a really nice exotic wood lid on it. And I put it in a coffee shop for sale and somebody bought it as an urn. So I wow. thought, Oh, well, I'm in the urn business. Let's do this. You know? So I, uh, so I created about six of them and I took them to a funeral heart, uh, parlor in, uh, indio california and he bought all six he bought all six urns from me and i thought well this is great so uh wow. you know i i it was on from there but you know it's interesting because it's been it's been a challenge really ever since then to actually break into the market uh, for some reason i don't know why but i mean I'm, I'm actually doing pretty fairly well right now and i'm excited about the business right now and everything's fine but yeah it's been quite the journey i've been trying to 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 make and create urns for people. And I have created urns for people uh, over the last, uh, probably 15 years. Wow. I, uh, how I got started tattooing on them is about, I don't know, 12 or 15 years ago, I was, I was watching a show on TLC called Miami Inc. And, uh, I don't know if you guys remember that, but it was a yeah. tattoo show, you know, uh, on TV. And I thought, Hey, you know, that's, that's neat. So I went to a tattoo convention in uh, Pasadena or Pomona. And, uh, I was walking down the aisles and I saw this guy, uh, with tattoo kits. And I thought, oh, let me buy one. You know, I was making, I was making some good money at the time. And I thought, let me just buy a kit and take it home and see what I can do as far as carving. You know, potters and ceramic artists are always looking for tools they can carve with. So I bought this hundred dollar kit, brought it home and I said, Oh my God, this is great. It's like a little mini. Uh, it's like a little mini jackhammer and uh, yeah. it, it just, it creates a little relief carving about, I don't know, eighth inch thick and it leaves a little hairy texture on the, on the ceramics. And it's just a wonderful little carving tool. So uh, wow. that's how it got started, and and prior to that, I was a, a bench jeweler. I was trying to become a bench jeweler. I went to jewelry school in Carlsbad, California, GIA Institute, and uh, my hands were too big. I'm six foot eight, and uh, my hands are way too big. I went to this school, and like ninety five percent of them were were Asian, you know, were Asian of descent because they had those t- right. tiny little hands. Right. And, and so, you know, I was this big guy with uh, <laughs> with these big hands that that couldn't do it. So. So I try to use my jewelry skills, what I learned anyway, in my in my surroundings. Yeah, it's fascinating.
0: So you you say each one is unique. What what is the inspiration that you get to create a very unique urn for someone um, to to care for their loved one's remains ashes? Well, what I,
2: what I do, what I like to do is ask for their, uh, loved one's picture and a little bio about that person so that I can think about that person as I'm creating their urn. I mean, it's not like a little, you know, big channeling thing, but I, but I do, I do try to, you know, have reverence, uh, and pray about it and, and, you know, try to be the best I can and try to, try to create the best vessel I can for that person that, that I'm thinking about. So that is my main inspiration when I'm creating each urn is I'm thinking about that person in their life and I'm making this urn for them. And so that, that gives it a lot of, a lot of meaning. And, uh, and I love the fact, the number one thing that I love about creating urns for people is that I, you know, just like a musician, I guess, or any other artist, if you produce something really special and good for somebody, it makes them cry. And I've had so many people that I've made urns for cry and tell me how wonderful it made them feel. But that's why I'm still doing it, even though it's been such a challenge, you know, professionally and business wise. But I I just I absolutely love the feeling that I get and the connection that it brings to my heart.
1: I have to say you're you're a caregiver for those people. I mean, that that is what it comes down to. I mean, the reality I've worked with bereaved people for three decades now. And I can tell you because I've sat in a counseling room with them, they they will remember Everything about the way people interacted with them, treated them, what they did for them, didn't do for them, around their person and their person's death. And uh, you know, you're talking about people who are at, at a very vulnerable moment in their lives. Mm-hmm. and you are giving them a a gift of of it being personal uh, because it is personal to them. It's their person. So what a gift that you're giving them uh really yeah and tremendous. i experienced
2: that too you know that i experienced that recently in may when my mom passed away that the the hospice workers were just wonderful just absolutely wonderful and i felt so connected and you know in my time of, of need to those people and what they do for people i mean i just think it's phenomenal i think hospice workers are just great people so yeah you know.
1: the same thing it, it really is there's a continuum of care that happens in people's lives, and it goes from certainly a hospice worker, a person in the hospital, uh, the person who's there with the family immediately after a death, uh, the funeral directors, a funeral home, all of those individuals, you, a person who's personalizing, making an urn, all it. All of that is part of a person's care. And uh it's just tremendous to hear. Well, we're 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 almost out of time. Before oh, go we ahead.
0: go, before we go out of time, I Please want to do a little plug because um Matthew, you also do um military urns. Can well, you yeah, tell us a so bit so about that? Yeah, a couple of years ago, uh my wife
2: and I, Janine, she uh she helped inspire the website and we both came up with the idea of, Hey, we bet, you know, we make urns. We might as well, you know, do some military urns. And, uh, so while I was up in Oregon, we, we made a website and I created a, a you know, a host of, uh, military urns. So I, I made a website, you know, specifically dedicated to that. I like all kinds of designs and whatever I can, whatever I can find or think up or be given. I love, I love to, to carve and tattoo any kind of design I can. So.
1: Well, that's fantastic. I do some work with an organization called TAPS. It's for military bereaved, and um, I know that it I know that it means a lot to those mm-hmm. those families um, because it's recognizing not only a person's life but their service, and that is uh, at the heart of a lot of the the meaning that a person has, and the remembering of their person um, becomes a big part of that. So.
2: That's right, and, I, and I've always respected uh, the military greatly. My uh, my grandfather uh, he was he was a uh, airplane mechanic and uh, served in in both wars, and he he you know was always I always was was in awe of him. So that was kind of me too. It's
1: interesting. My grandfather was a uh, was served, and he was a airplane mechanic as well. <laughs> so was <Sure. Yeah. laughs> an <It's been> interesting little. <laughs> when you said that, I was like, oh, yeah, it sounds like my grandfather.
0: Okay, well, my I know it wasn't is- the same. Well, my father was a lieutenant colonel in World War II and a paratrooper jumping out of planes in combat.
1: (laughs) Well, there you go. Well, our grandfather's worked on the plane that he jumped out of. So that's how it works. (laughs) So anyway, well, we this this has been a great conversation, Matthew. Um, We are about out of time. But um, before we leave, I did want to give an opportunity. Our guests often want to know how they can connect with our with or our listeners want to know how they can connect with our guests and, um, and, and your work. Um, and how, how might they go about doing that?
2: They can just uh, type in my web address, which is uh, com, or just Google ceramic tattoo art. And you'll find me. I'm, pre- I'm pretty much the only one that's one. Uh, well, I know I'm the first one to tattoo on ceramics. So I'm all over online. I'm, you know, you can find me. <laughs> okay. Awesome.
0: Matthew, we want to thank you for being a guest here on Let's Talk Death and for sharing the inspiration behind your work. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you. It's been, it's been wonderful. I really appreciate the opportunity to come on. I really do.
0: If you would like to learn more about Heal Grief, visit us at HealGrief.org. To find other conversations or to inquire about becoming a guest speaker, visit us at HealGrief.org backslash Let's Talk Death. And if you feel inspired to support us, remember, no gift is too small. Visit us at healgrief.org backslash donations, or you can donate right through our homepage. Well, that's it until next time on Let's Talk Death, where we normalize, educate, and demystify the taboo around death, dying, and the journey of grief.